Dr. Emily Funk Reynolds, and you are listening to the Confessions of a Young Doctor podcast, where we are striving for a balance at work and at home so that we can be the best for our patients, our family, and most importantly, for ourselves. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. If you are in the process of opening a practice, one of the first things that you'll do after deciding on a location or maybe as part of deciding on a location is look for an available space to build and establish your practice. And if you are lucky enough and ambitious enough to buy a property, that is awesome. But I think given financing and just the amount of money that it takes to start a practice and with current interest rates and all of that, a majority of people are going to be leasing a space for their startup practice. So I wanted to go over a few things that you should look out for or be conscious of when you are negotiating and finally signing a lease for your practice. So this is something that I knew very little about when I first got into the mode of opening my practice and started looking at spaces, but there are a few things to understand and some things that are very, very important to look out for. So I just wanted to kind of scratch the the surface and give you a few major things to touch on and hopefully provide you with a good starting place when it comes to looking at leases. So first, before I get into any of that, I want to preface this by saying that you 100,000% should get a broker to help you with this process and you don't want to visit any potential properties or contact potential properties without having somebody to represent you. And to be honest, there's really no reason not to get a broker or an agent because as the lessee, you don't actually pay them. The landlord is the person who pays them. So you will get the services and the help of this person, this professional, at no cost. So there's literally no reason not to pursue having someone represent you. Now, with that being said, I personally would recommend someone who has, at a minimum, commercial real estate experience. Um, So, you know, don't hire the same person that you would hire to rent a house or buy and sell a house. You want someone who deals with leasing commercial spaces. There are a lot of differences between like residential real estate and commercial real estate. Um, So for example, the lease to my space, I think is about 60 pages long. Um, So you want somebody that does this on a regular basis. Um, And I think it would be nice to also have someone who has some experience with 
medical or dental practice um, just so that they have an idea of kind of what build out type and general space requirements that you would need. Um, You're definitely going to want to have, you know, a floor plan before you sign anything, which you'll work more specifically with somebody else to do. But it's helpful to just have someone who has experience in medical dentistry, kind of like a clinical setup, just to have that background. There are some dental specific brokers. I don't know that that's really necessary. Um, If you find one and you like one, that's great. But I personally, when I was doing my space, I worked with someone who was more local to my area um, because I just felt like they would know the community better. And that was important to me. But that person did also have experience with sale and lease of medical and dental spaces in my area. So for me, that was the right combination. Um, But there are some more like national firms, I guess, um, that are dental only. And I don't know that that is needed. Um, I think as long as you have someone who has extensive commercial real estate experience, you should be okay. Okay. So basically, the way that it generally works is that you put in something called a letter of intent at first with the landlord. And this is assuming that is a general commercial landlord um, versus just like a private, you know, single person who you're leasing a space from, my space is from a commercial landlord. And this is the process generally um, for something like that. So it starts with a letter of intent, which is kind of like an abbreviated lease. It's usually only a couple pages, but this is super important because it's going to outline all of the major things. And from my understanding it's kind of like sets the basic terms and if you wanted to change one of these things after the letter of intent um it's not that it's impossible but usually the stuff that you are kind of arguing over in the lease is more nitty-gritty stuff so the big things like the square footage the lease term your renewal options um what type of lease it is, if it's a triple net lease, um, etc., or any like major things are going to be in this letter of intent. So you want to kind of have that stuff nailed down before you submit the letter of intent. So you don't want to think that you'll sign the letter of intent and then you'll go back and you know, kind of barter with them about the price for a square foot. That's not generally how it works. So you want to kind of do that initial bargaining up front um, if it's something major like the price for square foot or the lease term. So I just threw a couple terms out there. So let me back up a second and say your lease term is what it sounds like. It's how long your lease is going to be four and i would say generally in commercial leases it's like five to ten 
years um, of term as opposed to like a residential lease, which might be one or two years. And this is advantageous to you in that, um, you know, if you are going to spend time to build a practice, you want to make sure that they are not going to kick you out of your space after a year. Um, I think a lot of times we think like we have the choice of whether we want to renew our lease or not, but it goes both ways. So if your landlord doesn't like you as a tenant um, and you only have a one-year lease, then they have the ability to force you to vacate the space after one year. So I personally have a 10-year lease. Um, so that means that I can stay in my space for 10 years. And then along with that, you want to also negotiate in some renewal options. So what that means is that you have additional terms after that initial lease term is up um, that you can kind of choose to stay for. So um, then you could have, you know, five or 10 year options to kind of basically just keep the same terms of the lease. Um, maybe there would be a change in the rent amount at that point, um, but you wouldn't have to go through the whole process of redoing the entire lease. Um, like I said, my lease was 60 pages long, so um, you want to make it easy to just renew if you'd like to stay. Um, and then the space, how much square feet you are actually leasing, and then what the price per square foot is, um, is also going to be in that letter of intent. And now some leases will include utilities, some will not, some will the landlord will pay the taxes, others you will pay the taxes. So you want to make sure that you know all of that. And if it's something um, where you are responsible for paying the taxes and utilities, you want to know roughly how much that's going to cost you so that you know exactly what you are signing on for. Um, another really big important thing is the actual start date of the lease. So you, if you're doing a startup, you're most likely going to be signing the lease before you even start building anything in the practice. Um, and you don't want to be paying for the space if you are not able to use it. So you want to have in there um, something about when the construction is set to finish and at what point actually you have to start paying on the lease. So it would be good to have some kind of window of time in your lease that says they can't, you know, delay construction after a certain amount of time, um, but also gives you an adequate amount of time to be able to have plans and everything ready to go. I think um, my lease was something like two to three months from the um, start of construction and then they had like six weeks to obtain permits or something like that. Um, but you want to give them a window of time that is reasonable, but you also want to make sure that, you know, they're not 
holding out on you and then you're going to have to start paying rent on a space that's not even finished. So I didn't, my technically my lease didn't even start until we received our certificate of occupancy, which I would say is ideal because if you can't be in the space, you don't want to be paying for it. Um, also in there, you're going to have like your security deposit and if any advance rent is due. One of the things that you can negotiate is for a period of free rent or reduced rent. A lot of commercial landlords will do this for new businesses. Um, I don't know how likely you are to get it if you're doing like a private single owner lease, um, but it's something that is relatively common when you are leasing a space from a large commercial landlord. So I would definitely try to get that if you can, um, because in the beginning, your patient flow is going to be low, so you're not going to be making um, a ton of money to be able to cover your expenses. So anything you can do to be able to reduce those expenses in the first few months is awesome. Um, if you are signing a multi-year lease, which you most likely will, um, you are going to want to have some idea of what the rent is going to be for all of those years. So there might be like a schedule of the rent with each year, or there might be a certain percentage that is going to increase every year, or you might just have a flat rate for the entire duration of the lease, which would be great. Um, but whatever it is, you want to make sure that it is spelled out in your lease. Okay, so once you have this letter of intent, basically you guys are agreeing on all of the major terms and then they are going to take that and then present you with the actual lease, which is a lot of legal jargon and stuff that you probably won't completely understand. So at this point, I would recommend your second kind of professional, and that would be a commercial real estate lawyer. Having them review your lease um, to look at all of that legalese and nitty gritty stuff and let you know things that might not be advantageous to you, things that may be in there that are advantageous to you. Um, and that's when you are going to go back and forth with your landlord and kind of negotiate certain wording of things and stuff with um, the help of your broker. So the two people that are really going to help you in this negotiation process are going to be your broker and then the real estate attorney. And again, I would recommend having somebody who has experience in commercial real estate. Um, if you have like a friend or a family member who happens to be a lawyer, I wouldn't just ask them to look at this contract. Um, it's always better to get somebody who does this all day, every day, somebody who has seen it 
um, has experienced with other clients a lot of the stuff that you are going to see in your lease because they can tell you more and make sure that you are well protected. Um, they'll also know which things are kind of just like industry standard, like you can't change it, um, and which things are worth trying to negotiate them with. Um, so like a couple things that I didn't really think of that my lawyer and my broker pointed out to me was like the ability to sublease. So if for some reason something happens and, you know, I'm not able to fill my practice or work in my practice, you know, God forbid, um, would I be able to sublease the space at all during, you know, the 10 years that I have it? Um, you want to make sure that there is a clause in there about that. Um, also, if you're in a space that's kind of like a shopping center or a large commercial building with multiple spaces, a lot of times they will or they can put something in that says, you know, like if they need to move you to another space, they will do that and they will pay for the expense of moving you to a new space but um, they have the power and the ability to tell you that you need to move to a different suite within the same, you know, building or complex. And um, that was something that is commonly in leases apparently, but I worked with my um, lawyer and my broker to get that taken out um, because I don't want them to tell me that I have to suddenly move my practice three doors down um, because the restaurant next door wants to expand into my space um, because that can happen apparently. It's not something that I knew about, um, but it's something that you want to protect yourself because basically, you know, for me, that would mean that I would have to like close my office down for a period of time while they moved all of my stuff. And even if they're going to pay for it, um, I just don't want to have to move spaces. Um, if I want to move a space, I potentially could and I could work that out with them, but I don't want them to have the ability to tell me that I have to move. Um, another thing to look out for is what happens if the commercial landlord sells the property. And um, this actually happened to me about six months after my practice opened. The landlord that owns the building and the complex where my office is decided to sell the entire property to a different developer. Um, so we got a new management company and new owners. Um, but basically, there was a clause in my lease that said that anybody who buys the property has to accept the full terms of my lease exactly as they are, unless me and that new landlord came to a new agreement. But by default, they have to accept the lease that 
I had with the prior owner. So that is definitely uh, something I would recommend looking out for um, because you don't want the landlord to sell to someone else and then that person tell you that you have to, you know, leave or increase your rent or anything like that. So those are just a couple of little things that you want to watch out for. There are so many other details um, that can come up, but this is kind of just to give you a peek into how detailed these things can be and let you know that you really should enlist the help of professionals. Um, One final little tip that I can give you is that no matter how annoying it may seem, to go through and read a 60-page document of legal ease multiple times, I would highly, highly recommend that you read the final version, the one that you are signing in detail one last time before you sign it. Because after many back and forth of revisions, you might be like disgusted with the thing and feel like you know it front to back and recognize all of the sections. Um, But I actually found an error in the final draft of my lease um, that wasn't malicious. It was just, you know, human error. And with all of the renditions and back and forth of the legal jargon, a piece got missed, but had I not read it and signed it, then that would have been, you know, the binding agreement. So it's very important to double check anything that you are signing throughout this entire startup opening process, um, but especially your lease. If you really wanted to, you could have your lawyer review it again, the very final version, one more time. Um, But I'm kind of of the mindset that lawyers are humans too um, and they can make mistakes. So it's always best to make sure that you are the one who has read the final, final version. So those are a few things to look out for. And if you have any questions about anything um, or want to know more about my experience with lease negotiations, definitely reach out to me on Instagram at dr.confessions and I look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Have an amazing week and I will catch y'all soon. Bye guys.